Thanks for tuning in to Organic Matters. For those of you who listen to me, you know that I have certain things I kind of keep up with maybe more than I should. One of them is taking care of uh, the world around us. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services have moved to underscore what scientists say is an accelerating rate of extinction worldwide. Part of the problem is climate change, and of course, at least as big a problem is habitat loss. So we're gonna go into it probably deeper than most people want to, but that's kind of how I've gotten to, into my shows. I will go through this. It's uh, all about the, the wildlife listing about 22 species of animals that are now definitely extinct as far as we can tell. One I really have a personal problem with or a personal thought of. Let's begin with the ivory-billed woodpecker, also known in almost folklore for this part of the world as the Lord God bird. Why? Because its nickname was earned. It is so big and so beautiful that those blessed to spot it blurted out the, oh God, the Lord's name. Even the scientist who wrote the obit literally cried about it. My personal touch is about four or five years ago, they claimed they found at least one, maybe two, in the lower swamps of the state of Arkansas. And I really went there, of course, in total futility, never to see anything. The guy made a movie. The movie was pretty poor. He was just on a phone fishing and, and filmed this woodpecker. And for all the world, it appeared to be an ivory bill. But over the next five years or six, now no one's seen a single other one, so they've now officially declared it as extinct. To quote Amy Trahan, she's the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service biologist who reviewed the evidence and wrote the report concluding that the ivory bill no longer exists. And to quote her again, she said, this is not an easy thing. She'd followed the possibility of the birds for years and said nobody wants to be a part of this. She kind of choked up on a Zoom interview that I was watching. Just having to write those words was quite difficult. She said it took me a while to do it. The Fish and Wildlife Service proposal from last Wednesday to take 23 animals and plants off of the endangered species list. Why? Because none can be found in the wild. It exposes what scientists say is an ever accelerating rate of extinction worldwide. A million plants and animals are in danger of disappearing, many within decades. The newly extinct species are the casualties of climate change and habitat destruction, dying out sooner than any new protections could save them. The species pushed over the brink include nine kind of birds, one bat and one plant found only on a few Pacific islands, as well as eight types of freshwater mussels that once inhabited riverbeds from Illinois all the way to the state of Georgia where I was raised. The best available science suggests that these creatures are no longer swimming, scampering or soaring on this planet, obliterating the need for any federal protection any longer. In the nearly half century since the Endangered Species Act came into force, only 11 other species have ever been delisted because they've been declared gone or disappeared 
from our planet. The ivory bill woodpecker range from the coastal plains of North Carolina to the bayous of East Texas, all through the southeast there. The ivory bill woodpecker suffered a precipitous drop in numbers during the 1800s. Marksmen gunned them down for private collectors and hat makers of all things, while loggers felled the old growth stands where the birds roosted and foraged for grubs. And I should mention here, folks, they are the largest woodpecker, at least in the Americas. So the fact is this bird was critically endangered since back in the 1890s, and it's fundamentally a consequence of the fact that we cut down every last trace of the virgin forest of the southeastern United States. We just took it all away. They couldn't live in anything smaller because of the size they were and the evolution of growing in these giant, mostly pine forests. There were occasional sightings sustained which gave them hope for recovery, for instance, Former President Theodore Roosevelt spotted three in 1907 while he's on a bear hunt in Louisiana. In 1924, the famed Cornell University ornithologist Doc Allen, Arthur Allen, took the world's first documented photograph of the ivory bill in Florida just days before two collectors shot the last pair. A decade later, after the bird was believed to be extinct, Allen's team returned to make the world's only undisputed recording of its horn-like calls. As a matter of point here, the ivory bill was one of the very first animals recognized in the United States as facing extinction. And its decline helped spur Congress back in 1973 to pass what is now known as the Endangered Species Act. The law made it illegal to harass, harm, pursue, hunt, shoot, wound, kill, trap, capture, or collect imperiled species. And the biggest move was it also sought to protect their habitats. Unfortunately, the law's proponents point out that the vast majority of the species under its protection, 99% of them, have not gone extinct. It has served as a model for other nations writing their own conservation legislation. Among the animals in its credit was saving our icons such as the bald eagle, the brown pelican, the gray wolf, and in the south where I was raised, the American alligator. But the newly confirmed extinctions show the limits of a law that at nearly half a century old came far too late for the ivory bill and a number of other animals. And the act is under attack from many conservationists who call it ineffective, pointing out that only about 3% of the species listed for protection ever recover. Citing this fact, although the other part of the fact is it's still ongoing, they are recovering. Recovery rates just always aren't as fast or as efficient as we want them to be. However, because of that statement, the Trump administration worked to overhaul the law and made it easier to remove protections for threatened species and allow wildlife managers to consider the economic cost of conserving an animal when weighing it against its new protections. Fortunately, a lot of those changes never came to fruition. Now, the Biden administration's unwinding Trump's what we call non-environmental legacy. He didn't care. 
All he cares if he can make a buck on the land for the day or somebody he knew. The Biden administration moved this June to reverse the policies. And the president has vowed to set aside a third of the nation's land, which is already set aside, folks, or was, till we started giving it back, uh, both land and water to protect wildlife. It also help to sequester carbon from the atmosphere and ensure that all Americans can continue to have access to nature. Unfortunately, even fenced-off ecosystems can't fully be protected from the new danger, somewhat man-made for sure, called climate change. Throughout the rivers of the southeast, where I was raised, for instance, freshwater mussels were once so plentiful, they were harvested to make buttons before the era of synthetic plastics came about. It's interesting, even when I was young, I would sometimes find punched shells in the Withlacoochee River, and at first didn't understand, I thought someone had put them on a necklace or something, only to find out the shells had been pulled out of the river, popped out to make the buttons, and they just threw the shells back overboard. The good news is, there's a guy named Tyler Hearn, haven't met him in years, I did talk to him on the phone, and he now breeds that particular mussel in captivity at Tennessee's Irwin National Fish Hatchery and is trying to help restore their numbers in the rivers. Remember, these rivers were really teeming once with mussels. There were a good number when I was there. You could find dozens in an afternoon, big ones, some of them three and four inches long. But their big job was, and we can sure see the differences, they cleaned the streams by filtering them. Uh, they've now, unfortunately, most of the river has been transformed by industrial pollution, dam construction, and rising water temperatures linked to climate change. So these guys, the invertebrates that they are, they often can't escape. You gotta remember, they are capable of moving. That's what one of the excuses, yes, about 10 or 15 inches a day. They can't outrun the pollution. For many mussels, their mating habits make them even more vulnerable. Males disperse seed in the water for females that are downstream from them, which in turn actually spray their young at passing fish. Why? Because their babies actually grow while they're attached to the fish's gills, which helps oxygenate them and keep them alive. We've got to wrap this thing. I don't want to beat it to death. I do want to mention one other thing I thought was kind of a, a parable to me. One of the things I did was put in 22 acres of milkweed right where I live in Texas uh, with the help of a very, very nice landowner. And that milkweed was put in for monarch butterflies, which are really in steep decline all across the country, everywhere they come from. Ironically, while I was doing that, the Trump administration officials opted not to declare it endangered, citing scarce agency resources, even though they said off the record that the protection was warranted. Again, totally for the industrial use of the land, it would make things a little bit uh, harder. You'd have to have a permit for certain but when are we going to realize that protecting the only earth we have, the only environment we live in, is more important than fracking another well? It just doesn't make sense to me. And when you take something like the monarch, that's an iconic uh, species, well, since I was born 70 years ago, but actually from the time we first civilized this nation, 
one of the one of the things you'll find over and over are beautiful art pieces of monarch butterflies, monarchs on flowers. It, it is it's a, it's what we call an iconic species. We should, by all means, with all reasonable cost, protect it because not just because we're protecting a butterfly. We always have to just well, what what happens if we lose a butterfly? We're not just losing a butterfly. We're losing an entire part of the ecology. And when we lose that part of the ecology, the butterfly shows us. The butterfly indicates to us we're screwing up this place and we have to do something to prevent that. And the only way we can do it is by actively defending and taking care of the environment around us. Thanks for staying tuned to 